and girls baseball fans how's it going my name is Cohen Hughes I am from the Daily Degenerate Podcast I am joined with Thomas Penland via Skype it is Wednesday uh, July 15th and ladies and gentlemen the time we have all been waiting for baseball is finally a week away Thomas Penland how's it going brother I'm doing well Cohen um ready to get down to it you know me and Cohen got tons of good information for y'all um we're kind of going to start doing some joint podcasts together a lot of joint stuff especially for the NBA uh, we got lots of big plans in store for y'all, so just be on the lookout for all that stuff. But I could not be more excited, Cohen. You know, this is really – we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, but finally, you know, I feel like a little kid on Christmas, honestly. You know, when you've asked for all these presents for so long, and finally, you know, you're about to get them the next week. So, man, I'm excited to say the least. Well, I'll put it to you this way. These aren't the presents that I asked for, but they are presents nonetheless. Um, I wish that it was not under these circumstances that we are playing weird baseball. But it's here we're clear of all this European soccer mess. Like me and Thomas were talking in the bullpen before that it, it's so frustrating to bet on soccer just because of the three outcomes that you can have mm-hmm. win, lose and draw. And I just, it, it held us over. Okay. Until this point, but me and Penn were talking about it. I'm at my tipping point. I cannot bet another single soccer game. Like I'm tired of betting soccer so damn much. I can't bet on KBO because there's no information out there. Like, this is finally the return of the American betting sports. I'm, I'm totally here for it. I'm ready. Today mm-hmm. we are going to talk about the East, the AL and the NL East, because they will play almost all their games, or all of them, 100% of them, together on the Eastern Seaboard. So Thomas Penland, what do you say we get into it? For this MLB season, we will have a 60-game season. There will be 10 games against each of your four division opponents and then 20 more additional games against your opposite league's division. So if you're in the NL East, you'll play the AL East, Central, Central, etc., etc. You will have 20 games against those teams, 30-man roster, the two weeks, it goes down to 28. After a month, it goes down to 26. DH in both leagues, we do have a trade deadline on August 31st. And the craziest rule except for the universal DH, in my opinion, is in extra innings now, at the start of every half inning, there will be a runner on second. He will start off the inning on second with no outs, and that runner will be the the batter who recorded the last out, batter or runner who recorded the last out in the previous inning. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so here's that. I honestly, first off, I think that's crazy, and I think it makes the game a little bit more fun. But second off, I have a little theory here for you, Cohen. You tell me if you agree with this one or disagree with this one or not. You can kind of sit there, watch a baseball game. Let's say it's the Braves playing somebody or a team's basically with good bullpens playing against each other, and they get into that you know, mid-seventh inning. I think it might not be a bad idea, you know, if that over-under, let's say, is at like one and a half more runs scored the rest of the game. If you go ahead and smash that over, because, I mean, realistically, when you think about it, if both teams are going to have a runner on second, the other team might come in the inning and get – 
one run in, you know what I mean? And the other team comes up to bat, they're probably going to get one. So I think I feel like if you in the in the in the um top, in the bottom half of the seventh inning can get an over under that's only over one and a half more runs or less, I think you absolutely have to take it every single time if it's a tie game. I think you're 100 percent right because guy on second, two outs. It's not just that the team coming up first to hit will score a run. That the, the both teams get the same opportunity. Both teams almost will score with no outs and that runner on second. So the runs are going to be piling in. Yeah, and honestly, I think you might even be able to get one where it's only half. You know, I, I really don't think that these bookmakers are going to count for stuff like that right out the gate. Also, too, another little theory here to keep your eye out for. I think that these first couple starts for – you know, you need to really pay attention to how good these teams' rotations are. But I think a lot – I mean, pretty much everybody's going to have their number one going the first day. But I think that we could see these uh, totals be a little lower and skimpy. And once you get to that second or third pitcher in the rotation right out the start of the gate, I think they could not be accounting for the fact, especially in National League, on National League games. Because, you know, we don't have a DH beforehand in National League. So I think there's going to be a good chance, too, to play on some overs in those situations where you have, you know, a bad – number two or three pitcher going up against in the national league, you know, and you can get a little value on a, on a line that's probably half a run or a run and a half short, you know, I think they said last year, and this was just on my book. So don't, don't take this Mm -hmm. from the bank and write it down. But on my book, they said, I think it was 53 or 54% of the unders, uh, that, that were posted, uh, right at game time. They hit, I think we're going to see that trend switch around to overs. Now we're going to get 55 or 60% of the overs, that are going to hit because this isn't just new territory for us. This is new territory for the bookmakers too. I know mm-hmm. they have computers and all this, but there's no information. There's no precedent to base this on. We've never been in a game like this before. Like the National League has a DH ten times a year whenever they go play American League teams in their ballpark. Like it's it's this is just uncharted territory for us. Not not only as betters, but for the bookmakers as well. No, I agree with you completely. There's going to be tons of good stuff to look out for and tons of different, you know, honestly, I think at the end of the day, you have to think outside of the box and think ahead. You know what I mean? If you think outside of the box and think ahead of something before it's going to be accounted for, that's how you find a real advantage. So I think there's plenty of good situations here to find some good advantages early on and to go ahead and capitalize them and get that bankroll up because, you know, as like we said earlier, it can be a rocky up and down season when it comes to anything. So, But I'm excited, honestly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there will definitely be some, you know, high variance teams. Like, for example, I'm pretty sure through 60 games last year, the Nationals were not in the playoffs. So, oh, they you know, were like there's definitely – and, and 20 they started off like 16 to 29 their first you know however mm-hmm. 45 games like no absolutely that's what i'm saying so i mean i think that there's definitely going to be a team or two that that starts out the season too hot and that ends up making the playoffs and not being that team that you know that should be there and there'll definitely be a team or two that's gonna fumble fiddle fart fumble around and you know end up missing the playoffs because they couldn't get it going soon enough but that's gonna honestly that's the biggest thing whoever comes out of the hot start is gonna end up winning these divisions especially in these close-knit races but which uh which or do you have any other open-ended questions for me before we uh run to the uh, run on to talking about each league no no we can go ahead and get into each, each league um just because we're in Atlanta, we'll start off with the NL East. Um, our, our defending World Series champions, the Washington Nationals, we'll get into a bit of their of their predictions a little bit later on. But uh, describe the impact of losing a guy like Anthony Rendon and how that's going to affect the Nationals going forward. Um, so I actually think it's massive that the Nationals lose Rendon. You know, I really thought that. I mean, he 
pretty much him and Juan Soto carried that team with their bats through the playoffs. They got so many big hits after big hit. And I mean, especially a guy like Rendon who put up the numbers he did MVP caliber numbers, you know, it's, you can't really lose a guy like Rendon and it's, I mean, as much as you want to say, it's pretty hard to replace a guy who means that much to your order, especially that plays the hot corner over there at third base. But, you know, I honestly think the Nationals, they have a great rotation. When you, when you look at it, you have Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. Then on top of that, you know, Anibal Sanchez, even though he's been kind of a guy a lot of us have thought would fall off, he's still trucking along a little bit. Um, they also got some younger guys as well to throw in at the back end of that rotation with uh, Fetty and Voth. But, uh, you know, I really think at the end of the day, this Nationals team ceiling all comes down to how well they're able to replace, um, how well they're able to replace Rendon. I mean, it's not going to be an easy task. But, I mean, they did get Eric Thames. They did get Starling Castro. I mean, you're going to have Howie Kendrick in there at the DH. So, I mean, you still have a lot of the same names and similar guys. I just think that you need guys like um, Robles and Thames. You know, they're real high-variance guys. I mean, we watched Thames hit 15 home runs in, like, the first month of the season two years ago. So, I really think the key is going to be these high-variance guys. They're just going to have to play well over this stretch, and that's that's what it's going to come down to for the Nationals. Yeah, I think losing a guy like Rendon, do I think Rendon is an MVP? No. He put up MVP-type numbers last year. And like you said, him, Soto, and Zimmerman really carried that team through the latter part mm-hmm. of the season, not just in the playoffs, but whenever they started off 19 and you know 31. Um, you need to rely on guys like Anthony Rendon, Ryan Zimmerman, Victor Robles, guys like that to kind of get the bat kabooming to, to score some runs mm-hmm. deep in the summer. Um, you're replacing him with a guy uh, named Carter Kaiboom who is a really good prospect and who is, is yep. going to be a really good ball player, but he's just not going to have the bat that, that Rendon gave you. And Rendon, I think people forget how good he was defensively, despite being an old man. So I, I think mm-hmm. that you cannot overstate the loss of Anthony Rendon to this Nationals lineup big enough. No, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing to overcome. I mean – The Nationals without Rendon, I mean, Trey Turner and Adam Eaton back-to-back in that order. I mean, Trey Turner and Juan Soto, what am I saying? That's going to be tough back-to-back in that order. I mean, Adam Eaton's a good player, too. But, I mean, Nationals still have a great baseball team. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, like I said, those high-variance guys. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Turner and Soto. You just need these other high-variance guys to kind of, you know, lock in and hit the ball well. I mean, you know you're pretty much guaranteed a a win every single time Strasburg and and Scherzer step out there. And I mean, Corbin's going to give you a hell of a chance to win, too, every night. So, at the end of the day, pitching is what wins in baseball, in my opinion, and the Nationals have it, and I think they have a pretty decent bullpen as well. Thomas Penland, I think the Philadelphia Phillies massively, massively, massively underachieved last year. They had a they had a better lineup than the Braves did last year. Um, I think it's all it all come down to them last year. Management Gabe Kapler absolutely screwed that Phillies team, but the Phillies got even better in the offseason by taking away an ace from inside the division, Zach Wheeler, and they added DD Gregorius. How big is that? So, look, I'm be honest with you. I think the Phillies. At, might have one of the best lineups in the entire National they League. Do. And they have a lot. They led the MLB last year in hitting into double plays. But now when you look at it, they got a lot more speed on the base path when you add in there Gregorius and McCutcheon, who was injured last season. Um, also take into, a, into account the fact that I think they're a little bit better in the field as well with Gregorius in there, as he's one of the better, in my opinion, he's one of the better fielding shortstops in the league. But also Jay Bruce gets to bat DH now with the addition DH, which I think goes a long, long way when you have a lineup as stacked as they do. Um, does Bryce Harper get back to the the Bryce Harper that we know and love? I mean, we, we saw flashes of it last year, but it wasn't, you know, a, a season-long thing. 
Yeah, I think he does. I think there's a little bit less pressure, especially without fans in the stands. Um, when I actually went, so Bryce Harper, as most of y'all know, he played in Washington before that. And so, I mean, this division already hated him. And then he basically just switched over to the rival. I mean, when I was at the Braves game, I I was sitting over in left field where he was at. And I've never seen so much hostility towards a player at a Braves game. Like when he made an error and all I heard was, F you, Bryce, you suck. Like there was that... There's that 40-year-old suburban dad cursing out Bryce Harper, giving him middle fingers, six beers deep. So, I mean, the fact there's no fans in the stands, I think, takes a lot of pressure off Bryce Harper, and I think that he's going to perform and have a great bounce-back season. Yeah, I think Bryce Harper is um, the second-best player in the MLB behind Mike Trout. I don't think there's anybody Ooh, that, really, that. that really comes close to their you know all-around production. Uh, as much as I do love to sit here and heckle Bryce Harper, as much as I look like the 40-year-old guy eight beers deep who's <laughs> flicking off Bryce Harper and throwing goddamn french fries at him. Well, I, whoa, I, Cohen, if it's you, we know you're 10 beers deep, yeah, not eight. 10. We know you're at least I, I, double I digits. Say, come on, give me some credit now. But <laughs> I do think Bryce Harper will get back to that, you know, kind of winning and putting up production instead of just putting up production or instead of just winning. Um, we've seen great things from him, especially in, in, in a Nationals uniform. And it's kind of it doesn't pass the eye test seeing that the year that he left is the year that they won the, the World Series, which kind of looks bad on him. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't buy into all that, you know, kind of different strokes for different folks. I think Bryce Harper can really, really, really elevate the Phillies with a really, really, really talented lineup and what they have. Um, wait, wait. I want, to, I want to say this before we move on before the, from the Phillies. I think the – so in my opinion, <coughs> the Phillies honestly might have, like I said earlier, one of the best lineups in the entire National League. But my huge question for them here is the pitching. Like I really don't think their pitching can get it done. I mean Aaron Nola is certified – one of the top 10 best aces in the entire MLB. But after that, I mean, Zach Wheeler is a very high variance guy. You don't know what you're going to get from him night in and night out. Jake Arrieta is the same thing. I mean, Vince Velasquez, I'm not a big fan of. Same thing with Zach Eflin. I mean, when you look at this Phillies pitching and especially the bullpen, I mean, I would say you have A plus to A level hitting and you have probably C minus C to anywhere from C plus to C minus pitching. So, you know, I mean, what do you think, Cohen? I feel like the pitching is is going to be what makes or breaks the Phillies season, not the hitting. We saw it last year with the Nationals. Um, the only reason the Nationals didn't win 100 games last year is because of the bullpen. The starting pitching for the Nationals was so good, but the bullpen was so bad, uh, along with the hitting being so good. Um, I think bullpen is the most important aspect of a baseball team, as much as some people would would, would like to disagree. Um, I think that the Phillies are going to have to go out and make a trade for somebody, or it could be a long and dis- disappointing season because I don't dislike Vince Velasquez as a pitcher. Hell, I like him in my number four spot, but the three guys that are ahead of him aren't that much better than him. It's mm-hmm. older fellas, guys who have kind of went in the twilight of their career. So I think that's a thing that can definitely hurt the Phillies. Like their, their pitching staff is nowhere up to the snuff of the Nationals or Braves. Yeah, in my opinion, the Phillies only get as far as this pitching staff can take them, and I'll tell you all later how far I think the pitching staff can take them. So, um, Freddie Freeman has been diagnosed with COVID-19, and he is not doing too well. He's doing better now than he was a week ago. But um, without Freddie Freeman, can the Braves make the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Freddie's going to join the team at some point in time here. Um, I personally, look, in, would you say that again? You know, No, yeah, I mean, we we'll probably – I would be surprised we might have not have Freddie for the first, like, maybe, like – 10 games or so which I mean in a 60 game season is gonna be massive but 
then again, you know, like yesterday, we go out and sign Yasiel Puig. I mean, he's going to hit DH. He can play the field, too. He can do a lot of things to make up for a lot of sins of us. I mean, I guess Yonder Alonso is going to have to play first base for us. Or there's some other funky, you know, lineups and things we can try. But ultimately, I just think this Braves lineup is too talented and this team's too talented to, you know, not be able to get over the fact that we might not have Freddie Freeman. I'm this, our projected lineup without Freddie Freeman in there is Acuna hitting one, Ozzy two, Ozuna three, Ender four, Dansby five, Puig in the six hole, Alonzo seven, Darno, uh, I mean, uh, Camargo eight, Darno nine. Honestly, I think they might try to, you know, move Johan to the nine hole or Dansby to the nine hole just to kind of give you, or honestly, even Ender all the way down to the nine hole, you know, get, have Ronald at one, Ender at nine, you know, kind of flip flop the lineup a little bit. But I personally really think the Braves can still get through not having him. And I think that we can, you know, just we just got to keep things afloat. I really like our pitching and I really like our bullpen. I mean, I just don't see any reason why the Braves can't do what they need to do without him. Is signing Puig and Ozuna uh, going to take the place of all the home runs that Josh Donaldson had last year? I think it should. Honestly, though, Ozuna, you know, before last season, hit for a pretty good average. Last year, he was hurt a lot and really was just hitting balls out of the park. Also, felt like Bush Stadium's not as favorable of a hitter's ballpark as you'd want. I really think that Ozuna can take advantage of it. And, you know, a big thing to think about, too, is a lot of these teams, like the Phillies with their powerful bats and the Braves, too, with our powerful bats, you know, we're going to be playing in those small stadiums, the, both the in Fenway and over in um, whatever the Yankees call it, their new stadium. I don't know why I can't think of the name of it. But those two stadiums alone are definitely hitters' ballparks. And I think when you have stacked lineups like that, you're licking your chops going into those two places to play. Yeah, I um I didn't necessarily love the Ozuna signing. Um, I think he's more of a one trip pony. I don't think he's even though he has won the, the one Gold Glove defensively. Um, his fielding last few years has not been great at all. And the Braves have always prided ourselves on having an extremely well fielding outfield, especially with Marquez going out. That's big. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think Puig and Ozuna should be able to team up and match, if not come close to Josh Allen's production. Yeah, I also want to say this about Ozuna, too. I mean, I really think the injuries last year is what hurt him the most. I really thought Ozuna was one of the better five-tool players in the league. And, I mean, I thought he was honestly one of the most underrated uh, players in the league and didn't really get the respect and everything that he deserved. But, I mean, when you look at his stats, I mean, he, he hit 300 his last year when he was with the Marlins. And then the following year after that, he still hit the ball pretty well in St. Louis, hitting for 280. But, I mean... He hit for over he hit for 37 home runs, 23 home runs. Even though last year he only played in 131 games, he still hit 29 home runs out. So, you know, I think Ozuna, if I think he can get his power back up and his contact back up there together, I think he can become the five-tool player that he used to be. Let's talk about the Mets. The Mets in the most Mets offseason possible have not not only fired one manager, but two managers this offseason. One who didn't even coach a game for the club we know him better as Carlos Beltran um do the Mets have any shot they lost Zach Wheeler and there's always injury concerns with the Mets do the Mets have any shot of winning this division I personally don't think so because of all the inside turmoil but I'm going to say this the Mets hitting I mean besides like the obvious things that you just stated with the Mets I really think their hitting is going to have to hit the ball well, is going to have to come around. I mean, when you think about it, Robinson, Cano, and Cespedes, you're like, oh, we got Robinson, Cano, and Cespedes in our lineup. But, I mean, it's not 2017, you know, when these guys were two of the best players in the league. I really think that these this Mets lineup is going to have to do something because, I mean, the pitching is there for them. You have DeGrom, Stroman, Mats, Porcello, Waka, Syndergaard. I mean, you're absolutely stacked right there with pitchers. I think you need guys like – I mean, you know what you're going to get pretty much night in, night out from Pete Alonzo 
And, you know, you need guys, though, like Nemo, I think, in Conforto to finally tap in that potential you're seeing. And also, though, you need guys like Wilson Ramos and Rosario to hit the ball at the bottom of the order. I mean, if you can get anything out of Cespedes and Cano, I think it's just a bonus to go along with everything else. In my opinion, the Mets are equally as talented as anyone else in this division. They're more talented mm-hmm. than the Nationals. They're more talented. Hell, they're just as talented as, as, as the Braves and the Phillies. But this inside turmoil, the lack of being able to find a manager, the lack of being able to put a healthy team on the season year in and year out. Like last year, Cespedes got mauled by a fucking wild hog. And that's why he didn't play. Like he was hunting in. He was hunting somewhere and got mauled or trampled by a wild hog. That's why he didn't play. Like it, it, this is like the most Mets thing to happen. I just <laughs> sh- short answer: No, I don't think the Mets are going to compete in this division. Long answer: I think they can, but they're not going to. Yeah, no. See, I agree with you completely. I mean, at the end of the day, pitching is the key in baseball, and that's what the Mets have. Is I mean, the Mets arguably have probably a top three or four rotation in all of baseball. So, I mean, when you look at it that way, the Mets have one of the best rotations, but, I mean, realistically in their lineup outside of Pete Alonzo, the rest of these guys are very high variance, and you really don't know what you're going to get from them. So, at the end of the day, if the Mets can get some hitting, I, th- I think that's what it's going to come down to. You know, if these bats can stay consistent, the Mets can make the playoffs. I don't personally don't think they will, and I think the Mets will kind of have a little bit of a bum season. We saw it last year with the Phillies and Gabe Kapler, who just in the first 30 games made many notable gaffes as the, as the manager of the Phillies to getting a team as talented as, as that Phillies team and this Mets team. It's, it's almost hard to believe that a first year manager in Luis Rojas is going to come in and in the 60 game season, win more than 25 or 30 games. The Mets had the lineup to win 40 games if you ask me, but I just in, in this division, and especially having to go play the, the the Red Sox and Yankees five times, and having to play on the East Coast the whole damn time against the most stacked division in baseball, I just don't see it. Thomas Penley, let's discuss the impact of firing Gabe Kapler for the Phillies and bringing in a guy who I wanted to come manage the Braves, Joe Girardi. I mean, I think it's massive. Joe Girardi is world championship caliber experience, and you know that's something that. You can't really teach. I mean, that's something that only very few have. So I think that's massive bringing Girardi. I mean, like you said, I really think Gabe Kapler the last two seasons fumbled a lot of key situations where that he could have helped the Phillies win. And, you know, at the end of the day, as much as people don't realize, a manager goes a long, long way in baseball. I mean, a lot of it's a chess match with the pitching and the lineups and everything. I mean, if you don't pick out the right guys and keep it, you know, you don't you don't play your cards correct and know your guys well enough, it can really come back to bite you. So. Honestly, I think it's massive, and I really don't think it's getting the type of type. I don't think it's being accounted for the way it should be. No, it's not. The Phillies last year had two of the best position players in in baseball. I'm talking about Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto, and they still couldn't find a way to finish above third in the division. That was the direct fault of Gabe Kapler. So, uh, last team we're going to talk about before we get into some actual tangibles. Talk about the Marlins. Um, you bring in <laughs> Jesus Aguilar, Jonathan VR, Matt Joyce, Corey Dickerson, and then you got some good young talent like Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, Jose Urania, who we all hate here in Atlanta, but is a talented young guy. And then even my Yamamoto. man Jordan Yamamoto. Yeah. My um, boy. We know that there's no shot for the Marlins. This is not one of these, oh, but what if they hit get good the first 10 games? No, no, no. The Marlins could go 30-0, and 0, and I, in my opinion, would still miss the playoffs. <laughs> what do we expect? What is the general vibe of the Miami Marlins this year, Thomas Penland? 
Look, call me crazy, Cohen. Ah, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Marlins are going to win the division or make the playoffs or anything, but I don't think the Marlins will be the typical pushover that they have been in the half. I mean, in the past. I personally think that they have a lot of decent veteran guys. I mean, most of the time they just have a bunch of young, unexperienced guys they just throw in the lineup or whatever. I think they have a lot of, a lot of older veteran guys who know what they're doing, but on top of that, I really think they have some outstanding young pitchers in here, especially Caleb Smith and Yamamoto. I mean, and honestly, even Alec Antara. I think those three guys right there are like MLB caliber, like star pitchers right there. I mean, I think all those guys have the potential to go to the next level like that. I mean, I don't think the Marlins are going to be a pushover, but at the same time, you know, like you said, they're still the Marlins. But honestly, I think 24 and a half is their season win total. is a little low. I mean, I don't have the balls to bet on the Marlins to win over 24 and a half games, Man. but – I wouldn't be shocked if they mess around and win like 20, like closer to 27 games this season. Well, um, we see this whole rebuilding, quote-unquote, process with teams in the NBA. Some have worked, some haven't. Um, are you hopeful that Derek Jeter's leadership can turn this, this bunch around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, I think they have a lot of good young talent. I mean, they've traded off. They traded off a lot of guys like, you know, they traded off Yelich, Ozuna, um, even uh, Zach Gallen last year as well. You know, they've definitely done a good job building up the prospects and everything, and they've had all the draft picks and stuff. I think realistically this year to them is kind of a throwaway because it's a 60-game season. And honestly, though, at the same time, though, like you said, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if the teams like the Marlins and other teams, you know, they kind of start out bad, if they go ahead and sell off some assets and start to admit these young guys up here because at the same time there is no minor league ball. So, I mean, teams who, teams guys, who weren't playing. You've got to get looks at them. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think, though, at the same time with what I said, teams that like weren't planning on making the playoffs, if they start out really, really bad, I mean, I could see it being like abysmal and them just trying to work these young guys in here and everything. So, you know, I think this year, though, for the Marlins, that they're really going to come out the gate and try to play hard and they're going to try to establish a little bit of a culture that they can bring rolling into next season when they bring all the young guys in. Are the New York Yankees still the most talented team in baseball? Um, absolutely. And, you know, like I told you, like I was trying to find a weakness or like a make or break point for each team. Honestly, I think the only make or break point for the Yankees is picking the right people to be in the lineup each night. I think that's about the only problem they're going to have this season is picking out who that they want in the lineup that night because they have so much talent on that ball club. If you want to hear a nitpick, I'll give you one. I think the biggest weakness for this New York Yankees team is lack of left-handed pitching. Their only left-handed pitcher is J.A. Happ. That some yeah. some some people hang their hat on lefty righty matchups. I'm one of the ones mm-hmm. who doesn't. I could give a damn if I have zero left or right, you know, like. But that's mm-hmm. the, that is the only hole in the lineup technically right now. Yeah, and but let's say your left-handed pitching gets smacked around. All you have to do is go to your bullpen and you pull out of your bullpen and you pull out the best bullpen in baseball. So at the same time, even if the Yankees might struggle there for a little bit, as long as you got that that best bullpen in baseball can make up for a lot of your sins. And I mean, also when your lineups as stacked as the Yankees is, that can make up for a lot of your sins to your pitching. We're not going to see the Boston Red Sox that we're used to seeing. Um, is there a shot that they compete for the for the division crown? Look, the Red Sox, from their two through four batters, I mean, you when you go Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez, I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty, that's a kind of a little murderer's row right there with those row. three guys. But honestly, I think the lineup can put up some numbers. Um, I like the fact that they traded for, um, why can't I think of his name from the Dodgers? Uh, Verdugo from the Dodgers. I think he also adds some good hitting and power into that lineup. But 
realistically, the Red Sox pitching, in my opinion, is so bad. When you look at the team last year, you don't have Porcello back, you don't have Price back, and you don't have Chris Sale back. Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, has solidified himself as a good pitcher in the MLB, and I think he'll have a good season. But, I mean, Nathan Evaldi, Martins Perez, Ryan Weber, Brian Johnson, I mean, after that, after the number one, which, I mean, I would feel more comfortable with Rodriguez as my two pitcher. I mean, I really don't see anything from any of those guys. I mean, Martins Perez practically was practically a, um, a batting practice pitcher last year. So I really don't like the pitching at all. And, I mean, I think in that small ballpark, you're going to see the ball fly out a lot in Fenway. Yeah, me too. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays for the last three years have been one of these teams who have kind of snuck into the wild card, had good regular seasons with not-so-great teams. Mm-hmm. They kind of play that small ball, the opener opening with relievers. They kind of play this chess baseball. Um, are you going to go ahead and ride in the Tampa Bay Rays for a wild card spot this year? Um, absolutely. Honestly, I think there's no way you can't put Tampa Bay in there. And not only do I think Tampa Bay is one of the best rotations in baseball, but they also have the fourth best bullpen. I mean, I don't necessarily agree hundred percent with MLB.com's predictions or projections, but I mean, still regardless, I'd give them easily a top five bullpen in baseball. Um, it looks like Blake Schnell is probably going to play, which is a big shot in the arm. I mean, Charlie Morton, I mean, Glasnow was out a lot last year and he had one of the best ERs in baseball, but Honestly, I really think Austin Meadows is getting a year older here, but which I think is big time for them. But I really think my biggest questions is with their them hitting the ball. You know, I think it'll be kind of like last year's me feast or famine. Also, I want to see if Wander Franco ends up getting the call up, and if he does, how effective he is. Because I mean, if he can be seventy five percent of what they thought he was going to be, oh my gosh, he can go off. I think they are going to call up Franco. Um, he he hit twenty bombs last year. I, I think given given him just one more year does nothing but help. Kevin Cash always puts together a very respectable team. Mm-hmm. I, I do like watching the Rays. Um, they also added Hunter Renfro, Jose Martinez, and Yashimoto Seguro to an offense mm-hmm. that already had good contact hitters, just lack some of that power that you kind of want to to let the long ball fly in today's MLB. Yeah, and if Renfro can hit the ball out like he did last year, you know, I really think that that will be huge because he's probably going to hit fourth or fifth in that lineup, probably fifth, maybe even sixth. So, I mean, I think if Renfro can hit the ball out like he did last year in San Diego, that that's going to be massive. The Toronto Blue Jays added Hinjin Ryu from the Dodgers. Does that give them enough to compete in this uh, bloodbath of a division? Honestly, I don't really like the Blue Jays pitching. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's awful or anything. I just think it's way too middle of the pack. But realistically, in my opinion, I think the season for the Blue Jays is all about is getting these younger guys more experience. And realistically, the Blue Jays are a very high-variance team. I mean, I think Bo Bichette, Kavon, Biggio, Lotus Guriel, and Vladdy Jr. I mean, I think Guriel is going to be a solid player. But I really think Vladdy Jr., Biggio, and Bichette can be stars in the MLB in this day and age. And I mean, I think if those young guys are – are just like going to be oh I mean B, Bichette already looks like it but I mean if these yeah. young guys are going to be, be out the gate superstars I mean this could be a team that messes around and gets comes out the gate hot and makes the playoffs yeah I don't necessarily love the build of the Toronto Blue Jays I think they have a good team I think they have a bunch of good ball players in the team mm-hmm. um you get a rotation that looks like Hinjin Ryu Matt Shoemaker Tanner Rourke Chase Anderson I don't think that's enough to make it in the East. I think that teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox will run a team like that off the off the racetrack. Um, the young guys are definitely good, but I think that you're going to want to see a little bit more pop, a little bit more veteran presence, and a little bit more flash in terms of 
starting pitchers and and home run hitters in the lineup. I don't think they have enough to compete in the East, but I don't think they'll be as bad as they usually are either. Last team we got, Baltimore Orioles. Are they still a joke this year? Well, you know, you said it best, man. Now that they don't have um now that they don't have uh, Trey Mancini anymore this season, I mean, they're really going to be hurting. So, unfortunately, Baltimore, pack it in, go for next year. Honestly, if I'm Baltimore, I'm trying to get those young prospects up there, man, and get them as much playing time as possible because that's the future of your ball club. Yeah, I'll put it to you this way. Trey Mancini um, has cancer, which is not a laughing matter, but what is a laughing matter is uh, some of the players that the Baltimore Orioles have. Whenever your best four players at this point are John Means, Alex Cobb, Wade LeBlanc, and Asher Wojciechowski, it's going to be a bad year. I wouldn't doubt if this team won 10 games. No, I mean, trust me, I agree with you completely, and I think they should just go ahead and plug in the young guys, although I do really like John Means and Alex Cobb. So, Thomas Penland, let's go ahead and give each an X factor for each uh, team in, in, in both uh, Eastern divisions. Start out with the Atlanta Braves. I picked Mike Soroka. I think because he has been advertised as this number one ace and this guy who can go out there and give you seven strong, cut a few guys down, and keep the run total down, I think that he sets the pace for the rest of this Braves rotation, who guys are fighting to get into, but none of them are as good as Mike Soroka. I think if Mike Soroka can set a good pace, him and Fulte can take the season through, and it'll be really good to set the Braves up for success. X-Factor for the Atlanta Braves, Mike Soroka. Who do you got? Um, My X-Factor for the Atlanta Braves, I am actually going to go with Marcelo Zuna. Last year I went with Dosh Donaldson as our X-Factor, and he came through and crushed the ball a for us and win. gave us the pickup we needed. To be honest with you, I was pretty salty with the Braves that they let Donaldson go. I didn't need to harp on that a little bit more. I was very pissed off, honestly, with the Braves they let Donaldson go, mostly because I was already very pissed off about the way that that – playoff game went for us and I mean I just felt like that we didn't really care about the team I mean yeah we went out and got Ozuna but if Ozuna can return to the player that he was when the Marlins traded him and he was his first year in St. Louis I mean the sky's the limit for this team if Ozuna plays like last year's Ozuna I mean the Braves will be fighting down to the last day to get a playoff spot if that's the case let's talk about the Washington Nationals I think your x-factor and this is going to be kind of an unpopular opinion Yahoo Sports agrees with me I'm going to take Carter Kaiboom. um I think that having to make up the production of the Nationals um nearly departed um Anthony Rendon will go a long way into telling you how the season will go for the Nationals I think if he can play well and he can replicate anywhere from 70 to 75 percent of that production Nationals are just going to keep on trucking along what they always do but I don't think he will be able to so I do not think the Nationals will make the playoffs and he is my x-factor for the Washington Nationals yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you on the Nationals not making the playoffs. I don't think they will, and that's because I don't think their hitting will be good enough. I mean, when you had Rendon, Trey Turner, and Soto all in there in a row, you know, it kind of made like a little murderer's row for you right there. But, I mean, they really don't have that same exact murderer's row like they had last year. And on top of that, I think the I think it's Robles and Thames that are the X factors for this lineup. Because, I mean, if Thames can hit the ball out like he did a couple years ago for the Brewers, I mean, in a shortened season, if you hit 15 home runs, I mean, that's going to go a hell of a long way. I mean, I'll bet you the leader will barely be over 20 home runs this season. If that. And then, and then Robles, you know, he's a really talented prospect and somebody that everyone's been high on. He's fast can make plays so you know I think if Robles is able to you know hit the ball and actually have a consistent batting average and get on base that that's going to be huge for the Nationals but I mean I love the pitching for the Nationals but I'm going to kind of agree with you here Cohen I don't think they're going to make the playoffs 
Um, the New York Mets, their X factor to me is Luis Rojas, the new manager. Um, for years and years and years, we've seen guys like Terry Collins kind of mismanage the Mets. We've seen we've seen the Mets not play up to their expectation and have to have their lineup is built. Like I said earlier, I think the Mets are just as talented as the Braves. I think the Mets are just as talented as the Nationals. I think they're just as talented as the Phillies. Maybe a, a, a hair below, but they're, we're, they're in the same neighborhood. I think that if Luis, um, Luis Rojas can get this team playing well, disciplined baseball, and keep them in a lot of the games that they're in, the Mets could surprise us. Yeah, um... I don't necessarily have one player as an X factor for the Mets, but you know, like I said earlier, it's going to come down to those bats, man. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Pete Alonso, probably. And I mean, no one's even really talking about the fact there could be a sophomore slump for him. I don't think there's going to be enough hitting. Plus, Degrom hurt his back in that in that uh, spring training game or in that practice game the other day. So I think all factors taken into consideration here. I'm going to, and you know, just the state of the team and everything, I'm going to kind of sell the Mets on this season. Also, one other thing I wanted to mention, too, about the Nationals uh, before we kind of move on from them for good. Um, do you think that the fact they won the World Series last year, if they were to get off to a slow start, that they might just say kind of F this and yep. just kind of phone it in and yep. go on to next season? 100%. And to be honest with you, I would. That ring means a lot, and the fact that your MVP is left. Um, he, was a, he was a year early, but Bryce Harper's left. Um, I think the Nationals have a good little lineup. I think they have a a very good little lineup. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's elite. But do what you can to hang on to the starting pitchers. Give Mad Max one more go-round. And uh, not rebuild because the Nats are in no position to rebuild because they're they're so good. But Mm -hmm. if if the season gets off the tracks early, let's go ahead and just focus on next year. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I think if they gets off the track quick, that it might they might just pack it in. So that'll be something to watch out I for would. is how the Nationals start. Yeah, I would too. The Philadelphia Phillies, I have written down Joe Girardi, um, not just because I want him to come manage the Braves, not just because he's a new manager, not just because I hated Gabe Kapler, but because the Phillies have probably the most talented on paper lineup in the in, in the NL East. So if they can get a manager who can let them play up to that standard instead of below that standard, Phillies can be a very scary team. It probably should have been the Phillies that made the playoffs last year instead of the Nationals. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you as well. I mean, I really don't like the Phillies pitching, but, I mean, it's just something about how stacked up this hitting and this lineup is and the fact they hit into so many double plays last year. That almost is kind of like to me in the NFL when you have a team that has like a horrible turnover margin. I feel like that's kind of lucky that Falcons. they hit into a lot of, or, or unlucky they hit into a lot of double plays. So I think the Phillies might be able to overcome this horrible pitching. And, you know, I think that these bats, especially, you know, when you're going to be going into Fenway and into New York and you're playing in these smaller ballparks, I think these bats are what can, you know, project the Phillies to the next level. And I mean, I don't think they'll win the division, but I actually do have the Phillies as one of my wild cards. Um, moving on to the Marlins, last team in the NL East. Um, this is going to be a guy who isn't really an X. This is more of a gripe than an X factor, but Lewis Brinson. Lewis Brinson was the key piece of that trade that shipped Christian Yelich out of town to Milwaukee, and he has absolutely played like dog shit. If Lewis Brinson can become the star player or 80% of what he was touted as, the Marlins would be in an okay spot. Um, I don't necessarily have a single. Uh, let's be honest. The Marlins have so many problems. Yeah, there's no really X factor to what to win twenty games. 
Yeah, but honestly, at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to Marlins pitching. I mean, if guys like Caleb Smith, Yamamoto, Alcantara, if they come out here and throw the stuff that they're capable of, the Marlins will find themselves in some games. And, you know, when you find yourself in a game, you never know what can happen to help you come out there and win. So I think that's what it's going to come down to is those is the Marlins pitching being there. If the Marlins pitching shows up, I think they can get it. I think they can win more games than people expect. Yeah, me too. I think Caleb Smith, uh, depending on how the Marlins season actually goes and they get to throw him out there every day, I think he will finally get down to that 3.5 ERA. Uh, John Birdie had, had looked pretty good later in the season last year. Um, the Mar- Marlins aren't as bad as, as guys like us think. They're, they're, you know, they're still a pro baseball team. They still have lots of young talent, but they're still, I think, two years out. Moving on to the AL East. Um, Who's the X factor for the New York Yankees? So for the Yankees, I don't necessarily know if I can pick one X factor just because of everyone on the team. But honestly, I think that Aaron Judge just needs to return to the Aaron Judge he was two years ago. He was hurt a lot last year, but I mean, dude, like you're such a big guy. If you make contact with the baseball, it's going out in that little bitty fucking ballpark elevator shaft Mm -hmm. that you guys call Yankee Stadium. If you can stay on the field, he'll hit 30 home runs in 60 games. Now, that's what I'm saying. The Yankees are just so stacked up from top to bottom. I feel like you can't really pick one factor. But honestly, I would say staying healthy. But if I had to pick one player, I mean, i got to see Judge out there on the field. That, and I don't want to see Giancarlo Stan strike out as many damn times as he does. Yeah, but home run hitters, we love them and we hate them. I'm going to go ahead mm-hmm. and say Garrett Cole, even though it's low-hanging fruit. The Yankees um, do have a very good pitch at pitcher's room, just pitchers as a whole. Um, and the Yankees have, I think, the best offense in baseball with guys like Stanton and Judge playing you know, almost right behind each other. Um, Garrett Cole, I think, if he can just set the tone, same thing with Mike Soroka and the, and, and the Braves. You can set the tone, get two quality starts in your first, first two starts, let the team know that you are a guy who, you, who can be depended on. Um, Tampa Bay Rays, I, and for the same reason that I brought up earlier, and he's been the X Factor for the past two years, manager Kevin Cash. If he can keep on working his magic, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily in love with the bullpen guys opening games, but it's crazy, and it, it working a shorter season like this, uh, 100%. If he can keep on playing chess and keep on managing these guys that aren't all that great, up some, he, the Tampa Bay will make the wild card again. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think Tampa Bay makes the wild card again. Their pitching is too good not to get them there. I mean, when you have the bullpen and the starting pitching like Tampa Bay has, it's going to be tough. And like you said, you know, they added some more like home run and high variance hitters into that lineup, which I kind of like to shake it up a little bit. Um, I personally think all that leads to Tampa Bay making the playoffs, and I don't see any way they don't want a wild card. Who's the X factor for the Boston Red Sox? Next factor for the Boston Red Sox, I don't know if you can pick any specific player, but it's going to have to be the starting pitching. I mean, they're going to have to get some productivity out of that starting pitching, and they're going to have to be able to keep the ball in the park because that's a small ballpark. And like I said, you know, they're going to go up against these stacked lineups, the Braves, the Phillies, the Yankees, the Blue Jays. You know, they're going to face some damn good lineups. I mean, if the Red Sox, the Red Sox have decent hitting, if that pitching pitches well, I think it's enough to, you know, keep the Red Sox going. But actually, here's a little something for y'all. Here's a little best bet. I like to give y'all a little best bet or something every single podcast. My best bet, I'm betting the Red Sox under 30 and a half wins 
It's even 31 in some spots. You know, I just feel like, like I said, this pitching staff is too bad. I see the Red Sox getting beat down. Plus, you know, everything that happened with this, uh, with the um, player, with the team stealing signs and everything, the Red Sox having done that as well. I see kind of teams, you know, with a little extra X on the Red Sox back. And, you know, I see these teams wanting to beat up on them and everything. So I honestly think the Red Sox are going to have a down year. And I think they're going to start phoning it in pretty quickly and just say, screw it, it's a 60 game season. I will go ahead and tell you if you can find it at 31, you need to take it because I have written down something that will satisfy that bet in my prediction for the Red Sox record. Two more X or three more X factors before we go for the Red Sox. We know what we're going to get from from Xander Bogarts. We know what we're going to get from guys like Benintendi, from JD Martinez, from hell, from even Kevin Pillar. I think Jackie Bradley Jr. is the X factor for this Red Sox teams. If he can drive in runs, if he can play great defense like we're used to seeing from him, um, last year was kind of a down year for him, but I think Jackie Bradley Jr. can elevate this Boston Red Sox team to a team who not only has a winning record, but for a team who challenges for a wild card spot. Let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Is it low-hanging fruit if I say Hinjin Ryu? He's the new, he's the new addition, the only starter that's really worth a damn. If the, if, the, if the Blue Jays want to have a good season, I think it's on his back. Like you said about the, the, the Mets and the Nationals, you will only go as far as your pitching will take you. Yeah, I agree with you completely, honestly. And to be honest with you, I think Ryu got a little lucky last year in the fact that he did play for the Dodgers as well. I mean, he was unhittable for part of the season. And then once it got to the postseason, you know, you could tell his arm was a little worn out. But, I mean, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think if the Blue Jays – I honestly really like the Blue Jays hitting. Like, I really think they have a good batting lineup. Like, I really think that if that their pitching pitches well, I think that they can actually – like, I really think they can be that team that surprises everybody and somehow squeezes their way into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, talk about the Orioles. I got Ryan Mountcastle. I think he is the new shortstop coming up for them. Um, I think he's one of the top five infield prospects in baseball. I think that because the Orioles know they're not going to make the playoffs, they know they're not going to challenge for one of these spots, I think he's going to be up day one getting his reps in early. That way he can be full on prime next year. Yeah, I actually think the biggest X factor for the Orioles is – Honestly, I think personally, I think they should just give up on the season and get let the young guys get playing time. I think that's the most important thing to them right now is to let these young guys develop and develop. And when you're this bad, you have to develop your young prospects. So I think that's what the Orioles need to do. So let's get on to our last segment, which is the order prediction for each division. We will start in the NL East with a record of 35 and 25. I have the Atlanta Braves. I think they're improved overall lineup despite losing Josh Donaldson. The bullpen, the bullpen has gotten vastly improved, and the more years we have with Ozzie and Acuna, they can only get more mature and to be better players. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with you on that one. I got the Braves as well. I don't have an exact record prediction, but I do have the Braves winning the division. I mean, y'all can call us biased or whatever, but realistically, when you look at every single team in this division, up and down, every single team has a certain problem. I think the Braves have the least amount of problems with their team, and I think they. I mean, definitely not having Freddie there. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say it's not gonna hurt us a this little is, bit. This but, is based off Freddie playing within five games to start the season. To me, I'm assuming yeah, and, the COVID players play. Yeah, and even if Freddie were to miss a little bit more time, I still think the Braves have the best lineup and the best. I think that they have the best combination of hitting and pitching of any team in the league. I think they're the most complete team in our division. And, and we do have the toughest division in baseball. Um, second in the division, um, who may or may not get a wild card spot, depending on how, how, the, how the cards fall, 
with a record of 33-27, and 27, the Washington Nationals. The World Series champs lost a lot of talent. They're still a well-built team, great rotation, rotation, good hitting, lackluster bullpen. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Philadelphia Phillies in this spot instead. I think the Nationals will get good starts from their starters, but I think the bullpen might come in in the back end and really come back to hurt them. I think the Phillies have the hitting. The pitching is not great, but I really think that lineup is going to drive in a lot of runs. And, you know, I think they might be top three in the MLB in driving in runs this season. So I'm going to give, you know, and like you said, they have Girardi in there now. I think it's a fundamental change for the entire team and everything. I think he'll get everyone rebought in. I mean, they spent so much money on all these bats and all these guys. I mean, so many big name guys in there. I just seen it. I just got to think the Phillies lineup is going to give us something. They have to. In third place, um, I got the Philadelphia Phillies with a record of 32 and 28. Um, they won't be as bad as they were last year. That's hard to do with as talented a, a, a lineup as they had. They're as talented as any team in the NL East, maybe more so. But they just cannot get the pitching together. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Nationals here. Um, for the same reasons I just said, but also I just want to say this too about about our division, especially. It really comes down to whoever comes out hot out the gate. You know, you can't afford to fall five, six games back behind. You know, in the first month of the season. I mean, there's so little time. I guess like the first like in the first 15 games, you can't afford to fall five or six games back because there's so few games. I mean, you might never be able to to come back from that. No, you might not. Um, in the fifth spot. Um or the fourth spot, I got the New York Mets, record of 28-32. and 32. Lots of turmoil, fired two managers in the offseason. Talented team, really talented team, but we need composure, we need discipline, and we need health on the field to get a good New York Mets team. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one as well. I got the Mets right here, and I mean, the Mets are another high-variance team too. I don't think the Bats will do what they need to. For them, I think that they're going to have to win some, you know, low-scoring, close games. And, I mean, low-scoring, close games can go either way at the end of the day, and you need some clutch. So that's why I'm a little down on the Mets. But, I mean, I could also see these teams, one through four right here, and the NLEs be separated by, you know, anywhere from four games. I could see the Mets finishing four games back and finishing in fourth place. Yep. I there it's, It's very seldom that you get four teams in a row that could make the playoffs if their season went right and not trying to reach or grasp on straws or anything. Um, in fifth place, I had the Miami Marlins with a record of 20-40. and 40. Loads of young, unproven guys. Loads of young, proven guys. Need offensive pop and leadership in the lineup. Not close to being ready yet. No shot to win the division. The future looks good, but not th- this future this recently. Yeah, I mean, like you said with the Marlins, I mean, it's, they're going to be in the seller division again. I'd be shocked if they weren't, but... The future's looking brighter and brighter every single day for them, and might, this might be the last season that they're the laughing stock of our, of our division. That's all you can ask for is the future looks bright. We're going to segue over to the AL East um, in first place, of course, with a record of 40-20. and 20. I have the New York Yankees, the most loaded offensive team in the MLB. Health matters to them because of Stanton and Judge can't really stay on the field. Um, they're almost already a shoe-in, in my opinion, but I think their bullpen is is kind of the the only, you know, kind of hole outside of lack of left-handed pitching. If we're having to, to, to assign a name to anything. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the Yankees. And I mean, it, it, there is zero excuses for the Yankees. I mean, if to not at least make the playoffs, you know, this team is so damn stacked. The thing is, the Rays have really, really, really good pitching. And I mean, it could be sloppy. Play. That's the other thing, too. You know, there could be sloppy play and pitching could completely dominate when we come back. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the ball might, you know, be even a little bit extra juice to make it a little more exciting. But it will be. Ultimately, I mean, I just don't really see any way the Yankees don't win the division, or at least, you know, if somehow the Rays beat them by a game or two. That's all I could see. In second place in division, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. The team is built really well, sound from the inside and out, good hitting and uh, pitching and defense. They won't be able to keep up with New York, but I think they're a cue for a wild card spot. 34 and 26 is my record for them. Yeah, I'm going with Tampa Bay as well in this spot. I think that, I mean, like we said earlier, this pitching is just too damn good for Tampa Bay, and I think they improved their lineup a little bit, so I don't see any way they miss it here. With a record of 31-28, and 28, um, I have in third place in the AL East the Toronto Blue Jays. They're a little bit ahead of schedule because some of their young guys have come out and play like Bichette, Biggio, and, and Vlad Jr. Um, lots of great talent, improved pitching, but they're not ready to make a run in this division. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think this year is just another, you know, get everyone a little bit more experience. Next year, add one more ace, or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what their prospects look like, to be honest with you. I don't, like, keep heavily up with prospects just because I follow so much other stuff, too. But, I mean, I feel like they're one or two just, you know, stud pitchers in this lineup away from being, you know, a real serious threat because, I mean, Bo Bichette, Vaughn Biggio, and – um, and Vladi Jr., you know, that's that's stacked right there. In fourth place in this division, you talked about that 31 Vegas win total with a record of 30 and 30. I have the Boston Red Sox. Expect a drop off from the Red Sox because of the talent they've lost. Um, this will not be the Red Sox that we've known. Still good offensively, but the arms won't be enough to keep up with New York or even Tampa. Yeah, the crazy thing about it is I took the win total under 30 and a half, even though I did see 31 on a, the board in a couple other spots. But, you know, I actually kind of agree with you. I think it's going to I think they're going to be anywhere from like 27 to 30 wins. So, I mean, I think that half that half win right there is going to be massive. But, you know, like you said, I just think the starting pitching is too bad. When you play in a hitter's ballpark like this, you have a starter come out and give up seven, eight runs in the first inning. You're like, screw this, man. Let's go get a beer. You know, you've already yep. given up. Yep. So in last place in the AL East, I think we all know, with a record of 18-42, and 42, wow. Baltimore Orioles. There's zero hope. Rebuilding team still. Trey Mancini is out. Just use this year to find a real coach and to test out your prospects. Throw them in the fire. Get them ready. Yep. Uh, I'm not even going to waste my breath on Baltimore. If Cohen said it better than I could. So <laughs> – Thomas Penland, one last question before we split. In terms of the three zones, East, West, and Central, is the East the most competitive? I'd say absolutely the East. Actually, well, no, technically the East isn't the most competitive. Actually, oh, it's it's tough to tell, honestly. I think the East, though, might be the most competitive, honestly. It, it, it really just depends on which team you are. Like, for example, the Orioles, they automatically have the hardest schedule because they're the one pushover of all the teams, but – I mean, the East is going to be tough. The thing that's going to, I mean, the thing to take into account here is that the um, Blue Jays and the Marlins are going to have the most travel because they're going to be flying from the farthest. So, I mean, that's another factor that kind of plays against them. The Braves, I wouldn't <laughs> say, the Braves kind of have some 
decently shitty travel too. Just the fact, you know, we're going to have to fly all the way up there pretty much every single time to play. But I actually think that it plays a little bit to the advantage with the scheduling to like the teams like the Yankees, Boston, and New York. I mean, I mean the Mets. Like these teams don't have to travel crazy four, far four distances. Four teams within three hundred miles of you. Yeah, and the Phillies are around, like right around there too. I mean, yeah. it's not like going over the border to Canada is even that far from there too. So you know, I think that plays a little bit in their advantage. But at the end of the day, you know, like I said, that Red Sox pitching man. <laughs> I do think this is the most uh, competitive, seeing as how the NL East has four potential playoff teams. And I mean, if you want to t- t- make a stretch on on Toronto or Boston, whichever one, so does the AL East. So I think this is the most competitive section of baseball that will be played in the MLB this year. But that wraps it up for the David Degenerate Podcast slash Hot Takes with TP3 AL, NL East, MLB preview. Thomas Penland, plug yourself and let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, my name, once again, is Thomas Penland. I'm the host of Hot Takes with TP3. You can follow me on Twitter at TP3Wins, on Instagram at TP3Bets. And like I said, guys, get ready. Me and Cohen got tons of stuff coming for y'all. I mean, we're going to be putting NBA stuff out every single day, so y'all better get ready. Strap in, youngins, because this is about to be a ride. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Cohen Hughes. You can find me on Instagram at Cohen underscore Hughes. Also find me on Facebook to search Cohen Hughes. Uh, I don't do Twitter. I got kicked off of there. So (laughs) we do have a few pages that we are kind of moderating, kind of filling on Facebook. Daily Degenerate Sports Shit Talk, which is a good one for the more funnier memes. And then the Sports Connection is where we kind of debate on, you know, who would would win, Michael Jordan or LeBron, or who would win, you know, Dale Murphy or Barry Bond. You know, we just, we, we, it's more of a talking, more of an interview interactive more of a sports centered thing so hit me up and i'll get you an invite to both of those um, like thomas said keep it locked because we're going to start testing out streaming like on twitch and stuff mm-hmm. like we're even going to try to pick some soccer basketball and baseball games to kind of live stream with you and we'll have some bets out that way we can all moan and groan whenever a hit gets happens or a goal gets scored or something like that so keep it locked with the nba playoffs coming back with mlb coming back with everything kind of coming back at one apex We're going to get on, and we're going to get on hard. No homo. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the ALNL East MLB preview brought to you by the Daily Degenerate Podcast and Hot Takes with TP3. We sincerely hope you enjoyed. Please reach out to us, comment, like, subscribe, rate, whatever the fuck it is millennials are doing nowadays. But let us know what you thought about the episode. We'll have a lot more for you. Ladies and gentlemen, peace.